0: Good morning. I uh, This message comes with a disclaimer. Um, I'm not w- working the room and shaking hands and saying hi to people because I don't wish that on anybody, what I've had this week, okay? I've lost five pounds, yay. <laughs> Wasn't trying to, okay? So uh, there's, uh, there's that going on uh, today from me. So if my energy level is not as high, I'm sorry, but also... Uh, I told Kelly, I said, I don't don't wish this on my my worst enemy. I don't want to, I don't even like it. I don't like somebody that much that I wouldn't want them to have this. So uh, I'm just going to stay away from you all, and uh, you all stay away from me, and I'll love you from afar, okay? (laughs) Uh, If this is your first time here, I'll say hi to you next week, okay? Uh, So that's how that goes. Uh, Today is Palm Sunday, or the Sunday in which we remember the triumphant infant, uh, infantry, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This is a crazy juxtaposition of what happens in the life of Jesus in one week. It's a crazy juxtaposition of what happens in one week's time of you can be on top of the world and then you can be crucified the next by the next week, right? This is what's going on in the life of uh, Jesus, in the life of our story here, as the the drumbeat of the universe kicks into high gear, here as uh, we get closer and closer and closer to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and so that is where we're going to center in today. But as we go into the series of Jesus is, we've been talking really theologically about who really Jesus is. We know the miracles, or we've heard the miracles. We've heard the stories. We know the great teacher. We know these things, but what? Theologically, why does Jesus even matter to us? And that is kind of the questions we've been answering over the last couple weeks, and we're going to go further into that. Today's message is called Jesus is the Point. And even probably a better uh, maybe title of the message would would have been Adventures in Missing the Point. And we're going to look at different ways in which, even in this incredibly important story, people are missing the point over and over and over again, and maybe how we miss the point over and over and over again. Okay, so that's uh, where we're going today. I've always grown up and heard the, the statement, Jesus is the answer. And it's a bumper sticker, and it's all over the place. And I was a church kid. I had no idea what that meant. Like, absolutely no idea. Like, what, what's the question? If what, what is going on? Why is Jesus the answer? And what, what is the answer to and I really think what, what that, the heart behind that was trying to be is really, Jesus is the point. And all the questions and all that is, what is life about? What is this? What's going on? What is happening here? Uh, Jesus is the point. And we're going to delve into that uh, this morning. There's a, as we have lived this last week, in life, there's this little thing called March Madness going on, and um, in my family, uh, we <laughs> we have uh, taken to filling out brackets, and uh, it's very interesting because to have six year olds, a six year old boy who's very into basketball, and uh, a six year old girl who's very into not basketball, <laughs> and and the picking of games and what you know. Did what team name sounded better and who's the mascot to, uh, you know, I like them and their uniforms are pretty to, you know, all kinds of different things of judging with the bracketology about the whole thing. To me, who's listening to sports radio and trying to be the informed opinion and getting my bracket kicked by the girl who thinks butterflies are pretty. Uh, so, you know, it's just it just is what it is, but we overthink it. And I think here what's happening in the triumphant... Intro, in, <laughs> golly, I'm going to get it by the end of the message, Um, by Palm Sunday, uh, by by the entry of Christ, is we have people overthinking. We have people really kind of missing the point. We have people overthinking the whole process because they think they know what Jesus is about, and they just kind of drop the ball, i.e. bring in our brackets. And I want to explain this with the bracketology. If you're not a bracket person, you're you're not going to care about this metaphor at all. If you are a bracket person, you're going to go this makes a lot of sense. I asked Kevin to get one of these up for me today on the uh on the screen and he said, "Are you speaking English?" I was like, "Yes, I am, Kevin. It's a it's a thing. They they do this." So there's a bracket up here and this is uh what sick person put Indiana as number 1. Uh anyway. Uh so, what what it's a good thing Kelly's not in here right now. Uh, so we, uh, you have this here and, you, and you, you go through the whole thing and you, you weigh every single game out. And you think, okay, this, person can, these, this team can beat this team, and this team's really big inside, and this team's not, so they're going to win, and this pl- team always plays a good zone, and that team doesn't play, plays a terrible zone, and this person doesn't play good in that time zone because they need extra sleep, and so they're going to lose. I mean, you can go incredibly detailed into your brackets. You can be uh, so totally just keyed into what the brackets are here. That you kind of lose sight of just enjoying a game. And then the games start playing, and a number two seed loses that had a 94% chance of winning, and they lose and destroy your whole bracket. Thank you, Michigan State. Appreciate you very much. Uh... <laughs> But because I, you think about, oh, well, this team's going to beat us. There's no way we can beat them. That you already have a mindset of defeat. Your team, whoever they may be, is not going to get past said team, except they lost in the round before. And your whole fear and your whole trepidation was based off of false assumptions, things that you had no control over. This is what happens when we overthink. Now, I'm going to blame bracketology, but I guess what? I bet several of you in here have a problem of doing this with your relationships you have a problem of doing this with the way in which when you look at your job and you look at other things that you can't control you look at your kids you look at you you overthink it you overanalyze it and before you know it you are caught up in stuff that you have absolutely no control over and it gives you anxiety you can't step into it. You can't live your life the way you're supposed to because you've, you've actually missed the point. You've gotten so anxious about something silly like a, a bracket that you can't enjoy the game. I was listening to one of the sportscasters and he said, you know what? I used to fill out a bracket every year. I would make money because I'd bet on it every year. The best year I ever had of March Madness was the year I decided I'm not going to fill out a bracket. And I just enjoyed the game and this applies to our life in Christ and in in life in general, is if Jesus is the point of our life, we can enjoy it. We don't have to worry about all the details. We don't have to overthink every aspect of it. If Jesus is the point, we give control to him instead of trying to wrestle all the detail controls ourselves. You see how the parallels, you see the difference. What's going on here? This really stood out to me this week as we delve into Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry. Yes, got it right. Okay. All right. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is um, is where this story takes place. If you remember from previous messages, and what we just talked about, and if you weren't here, then don't worry. You don't have to remember. But Zacchaeus just happened, right? Zacchaeus happens a couple chapters earlier uh, in, the, in the parallel of this in Luke. It just happens. It's one of the last things that Jesus does is he uh, talks to Zacchaeus, the wee little man up in that tree, and says, I am going to your house today. And Zacchaeus decides to give back the money, Right? Four times over, anybody he's messed over. Jesus has done a huge change to socioeconomic relationship of a whole city. This is big time stuff. Do you know what he does in between his time, between Jericho and Jerusalem? Is he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's been a pretty good week, all right, if you've been around Jesus. I had died, I came back, you know, it's good. Uh, you know, I had no money now. I get money. Yeah. This is a good time. And so when Jesus enters the city, the buzz around Jesus is what he has been, uh, feeding people up in Galilee, feeding 5,000 people. This sounds pretty good. He's been healing people from the dead. This sounds awesome. And now he's like, he's providing for them financially as well. It's very easy to get a following of people, people that might not even like you that much. If you're doing those things, you know? Uh, this is a good presidential uh, uh, platform to stand on. I can raise your dead. I can, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> no comments are being made. Uh, danger, Mister Robinson. <laughs> so, this is what's going on. And so, enter the the story. Enter this this time period right now. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on the on put on them their cloaks. So they took off their outer garment. They gave the, made the donkey a saddle uh, because they wanted to. And, and he sat on them, he, he being Jesus. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him and followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So what happens is Jesus is coming to town. And everybody is so excited and hearing the buzz around him that they take off their cloaks and pave the street with branches and with their clothes so when he's riding in he's not getting jostled. This is the definition of the royal treatment. Does this make sense? If you've always want why are they throwing their clothes on the ground? This makes no sense. Well, there's no shocks on a donkey, okay? And so if you make the ground softer, it's a little bit of a softer thing. But that's this is this I'm laying my best, my outer garment at your feet and you can walk all over me. Yeah, this that's literally what's happening here. You uh we are lifting you up in this because they have overthought all of what Jesus is going to be. They've made the point about what Jesus is going to be about them and what they want instead of what Jesus is actually about. Let's go through the people in this story. The average Joe starts overthinking. They're going, hey, Jesus is coming to town. He's going to throw out these jerks, the Romans. We're going to be set free. This is going to be awesome. Let's go. That's what they are thinking. They are already saying, all right, Jesus, if I could order you, you around, you're going to do this and take care of this, and you're going to feed me, and you're going raise my dad, and you're going to do all this stuff. You got that? Good. Okay, now I'll throw my cloak on the ground for you because you're going to do all these things for me. Let's see where that could be a problem. The disciples aren't much better. Disciples show up, they're like, "Woo! look at all these people. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be the right hand of this guy. You know, I'm going to be the left hand of this guy. Because what are they doing? They're arguing on the way to Jerusalem about who's going to be the right and the left hand of God. They're like, all right, I'm going to get, uh, you know, this is the villa I'm going to build. You know these goofballs. Even one, a couple, John and uh, John's mom is like, um, so, uh, you know, which area is my son going to get to rule? You know, that's, that's just what happens. That's in the scripture, actually. So what, they're just overthinking this whole thing. They think this is going to come out totally different. The Pharisees start overthinking it as well. They're like, oh man, he's gonna upset the whole religious structure here. He can't do this. Wait, he's not following our rules. Oh, this, this guy is ridiculous. He he can't he doesn't fit our mold. He can't be here. And so they start overthinking it. And the Romans start overthinking it. Whoa, he's starting a rebellion. We're gonna have to kill all these people. That's their natural that escalated quickly, right? And they're like, okay, they're, they're having a little bit too much fun. Get the crosses ready. We're going to start crucifying people because that's what they do. And so everyone is having an adventure and missing the point. Because Jesus is, is coming to town to do something even greater than any of them can imagine. But they all have their own agendas for Jesus. They all have their own actions of what he's going to do in their lives and for them. Don't let your assumptions dictate what Jesus is up to in your life. Don't let your assumptions dictate what Jesus is up to in your life. All these people are missing the point in one of the greatest moments in history. They all made it about themselves, made it about their position, made it about their comfort. They even made it about their freedom. They're not necessarily evil. They're just not the point. Jesus is the point. Don't let your assumptions dictate what Jesus is up to in your life. Next statement I have for you is, don't let your overthinking lead you away from the point. Don't let your overthinking lead you away From the point. When we go down the rabbit hole, we get wrapped up in what we think and what we need, and everything has to play out the way we want it. Now, when I start overthinking things, and we've talked about this in relationships, we start overthinking about it, and we get mad at people for saying stuff that they only said in our argument and really didn't say in real life, right? We get mad at people for doing all kinds of things. We get frustrated with our bosses for not giving us that raise that we never even asked for. We get, we deal with all kinds of issues like that. And it's all because we're overthinking it. Don't let your overthinking lead you away from the point. We do this with God all the time. Well, God, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you did this, this, and this, then life would be better. And that would be better for your kingdom if you just did this, this, and this, right? I'm... I, I I consulted with somebody really smart myself, and I thought that you would be fine with this, God. And um, that doesn't work out so well. That's not the way this works. God's going, wait a minute. You're not my advisor, and you're not my boss, and you're not the one advising me. I'm God, not you. Don't let your overthinking lead you away from the point. What's the point? Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The point is this. Whenever you're like, God, what are you up to? How is this working? The point is always God is working to bring lost and broken people back to his heart. That is always the point. If you're confused by God, confused by what's going on, he's always trying to take the broken and lost and bring them back to his heart. That is what he does. That is what Jesus is all about. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says this. This is part of Jesus' greatest, greatest teachings. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And the world is a yoke. Well, a yoke has two different definitions in this context. The first is this, and everyone would have known it immediately uh, there. A yoke, uh, first of all, is a apparatus in which you would put over some oxen or some draft animals, to pull and plow the fields. Okay, So it is a very useful tool, because if you get two huge beasts who are incredibly powerful, yet they're not connected to each other, and you say, yeah, and they go, "Hua," And guess who's not getting any work done today, right? (laughs) So that's important. Keep that in mind. This is one of the mental pictures Jesus is putting in the people's minds at that time. The other thing that happens here is this. My yoke is every rabbi had a yoke. This was what he would say. Um, I would come, you say, Rabbi Jared, I want to be your disciple. What's your yoke? It would be a different conversation than this, but for our purposes, here you go. What's your yoke? And you would say, well, here's my rules. <laughs> Mine is everything with excellence, how you do everything is how you do anything, right? And Yvonne and Kevin probably can talk about it. You're going to have a yes face, and you're going to have fun and all that you do. Um, that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're both smiling at me because they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's more, but it's okay. Uh, but there's just a few things that this, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Um, but Jesus has this too because he says, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi Jesus, I want to be your, your disciple. What does this look like? Well, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he's saying that to be my disciple, you don't have to do all these things. Some of these, the things that the rabbis would make them do were so incredibly meticulous, incredibly difficult, incredibly hard to, to, to pull off. It was just this huge list of rules and uh, just how you had to walk and, and brush your teeth. And just everything would be uh, down to the minutia. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys are heavy laden with all these rules and all these obligations and all this junk my burden is easy. This is this is easy. This is light. We're gonna take all that off. What's what's Jesus? He tells you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. While it's pretty easy, it's very difficult to like pull it off. But it's very it's, it's easy. You don't have to wonder. hmm, I wonder if this is what my rabbi wants me to do. My loving God or loving people? Okay, yeah, I'm good. All right. And that's kind of the whole purpose of this message is huh, my loving God and my loving people, huh? It's the point. We are the ones who interject all those other aspects and the minutiae into it that gets us confused and off the point. Let's go back to this team of oxen thing again. If we're pulling together, and if we have a yoke on us, that means we're not the master. Because when the yoke is placed on this huge, powerful, beautiful beast, it now loses control of what direction it's going to go. It has to give up the direction and its will to whoever's got the reins. And I've got to be honest, and I think this is seriously an American issue, but our issue is we want to still have the reins in our hands we're like, okay, Lord, I'll put it on, oh, that's cute. I have a yoke on, yay. But I'll walk wherever I want to walk. And I'll do whatever I want to do. Now, we don't, have, not many of us have probably been farmers in life, but if you have an, an animal or even a tractor, you know, okay, here's the deal. You let your son go mow the grass for the first time. Because we are already laughing. You can see, you get, on, you get on, you start mowing the grass for the first time, and you know you like those nice, straight lines back and forth. We ain't doing no circles. We're going back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. That's what that's how we get a line up those wheel tracks better be right. Th- you guys know what I'm saying. You let your son do it for the first time. He might and those tracks looks like he imbibed in some beverages before he went out there. And it takes him longer and it, and it doesn't look right and there's there's th- there's issues with the whole the whole process. Because because he's not stayed on track. He's not he's not going back and forth. If you go in a field and you start plowing it, and those oxen are doing whatever they want, guess what? Your rows aren't going to be straight. You're not going to get as much crop yield as you would if those rows are perfectly straight. You're not going to get as much out of everything because uh, as much goody out of the land. But when you are yoked in and you're listening to the direction of where you got, you're getting the most out of every square inch of your field. Does this make sense? This applies to our life. When we submit control of it to Jesus, actually really submit control of it to him, we start to get the most out of our life instead of this crazy, deranged, walking around, bad lawn maintenance cut. But how do we make those choices? That's nice to say, Jared, but God doesn't usually tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do with these decisions. And it's not like I haven't been asking him. I mean, this is a—I got this question this week on Monday Night Bible Study. Jared, I got these two big decisions to make, and I don't know which one it was and which one's God going to want me to make. And I was like, well, you're putting me in a pretty big piece of authority because I don't speak—you know, that's way too much pressure there, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, like, here's the, here's the thought process— that I go through to try to figure out what the will of God is and try to figure out, am I still going after the point or am I going after what Jared wants? Because that's really the question, right? Am I going after what God wants for my life or am I going after for what I want in my life? And I also think as we draw closer to God, they're going to be closer to the same thing all the time. It's not like we have this fictitious thing in our life like, oh, if I do what God wants, I'm never going to have any fun anymore. Right. The only thing God could possibly want for me is to be a missionary in a third world country without water and, you know, electricity. That's the only thing He could possibly want for me. Some of you are like, I want that, uh, but that's that's cool for you. That was not what He called me to be. Okay, so it's that's, that's okay. But He, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I distracted myself. Um. So I want to take you through a little bit of a decision making process with that, because if we make decisions based on this kind of. Uh, flow, then we know that we are getting closer to the point all the time instead of this, well, I hope that I'm in the will of God and I hope that I'm hitting the point and I hope that I'm pleasing God, but I really don't know and I got this big decision and you haven't wrote anything on the wall for me, God, and you didn't smack me upside the back of the head which happens sometimes, but you know, that that, kind of those ambiguous you feel like, God, what do you want me to do here? Because this is hard. And so here's the decisions if you have a let's just say you have a, the opportunity let's just take the one from men's group this week um, guy has food truck he has a food truck and he's it's going really well and he's like do I need to do a brick and mortar store do I need to buy more food trucks and this is a great question it doesn't really seem like a really bad one like off the off the cuff oh hmm is God you're really going to worry about food trucks? I don't know. Peyton Manning was talking about how uh, like, how he doesn't pray to win games in football because he's like, God doesn't care. I was like, thank you. Someone finally gets it. He does not care if you win a football game or not. He cares how you comport yourself, how you handle yourself, how do you handle adversity, how, if you do your stuff with integrity. He cares a lot about those things. If you win the Super Bowl, he does not care. I guarantee it. It's like in first book of hesitations. It's there, all right? It's not a book in the Bible. Uh, At least when I'm sacrilegious, I tell you that I'm sacrilegious. All right. So questions. Does one of these options, does buying another food truck or does buying the brick and mortar store, does one of them draw me closer to God? Okay, that, that doesn't really apply. Okay, next level question. But for you, it might does doing this does moving here does taking this job does um, investing in this does going out with this person um, does developing this relationship does one of them have the capacity to draw me closer to God or farther away from God and in some of your dating relationships, this is a serious question, and probably the answer is already there now what happens when you don 't like the answer that you 're getting the question ha- who <laughs> like, yeah. The answer is this. Who's God? Who's got the yoke? Because if they... You know, I'm sure there's animals with yokes on them, and they're like, hey, I want to go over here. And they're like, that's not the straight line. That's not the way to go. And we as people, because we have free will, we often have the choice, thank you, sir, to say, no, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do because God is a gentleman. He's like, Okay but we miss the point and we don't get to experience everything he has for us. And this happens over and over again. When we miss the point, we forget who's God. We put ourselves in place of God instead of him. Does one of these options allow you to be closer to God? The second one is this. Does either one of these have integrity issues? Does either one of the uh, the choices have integrity issues? Do they have gray areas? Do they have places where you're going to be like, well, I hope nobody figures out about that. Because if it does, I guarantee you, it's not the right choice. God does never, never ask anyone to compromise integrity. Never, ever. In fact, when people in the Bible compromise their integrity because they think they're working better for the kingdom of God, they always get punished for it. It never works out well. Okay, maybe that one doesn't apply either. Keep on going. Does one of these options free you up to be with your family more? Does one of these options free you up to be with your family more? Because I guarantee you, God wants you to invest in your family. All the scriptures about don't exasperate your son's, Fathers, I think one of the number one ways fathers exasperate their sons nowadays is they're never home and they're never present with their dad or with their kids. Fathers never exasperate your uh, your kids. Does one of these free you up to be with your family more? That could be as easy as figuring out which one has the better commute time. Do one of these options create a significant benefit financially? This is a question. It is a legitimate one to ask. It's not the first one. I have a feeling in our, you know, our layers of what we're thinking about doing in life, this one comes first, not does this draw me closer to God. This is where the breakdown happens. If we start asking what's the benefit for me first, we've made ourself God and not God, God. Does that make sense? It can be a question you ask. It just can't be the first one you ask. But if it's not compromising your integrity, it has it's equal on on drawing you closer to the heart of God. It's a wash on how much time you're going to spend your family. Okay, let's talk about money. Does this does this make sense? And then I think finally is is one more fun than the other. Does does one seem more fun than the other? That is a legitimate question to ask. We're always stuck in this mindset. With like, Well, if it's from God, I'm scared of what his answer is going to be because it's going to be like, well, that's not going to be fun. Is one more fun than the other? Because you know what? When you're having fun and you're enjoying life, you're bringing a smile to God's face. He created you. He created you for all of the fun that you can have. In fact, he invented fun. He wants you to have it. It's okay. The decision-making flows out of making Jesus the point. The decision-making flows out of making Jesus the point, drawing closer to his heart first. Then everything else flows out of that. Everything else flows out of that. The point of Jesus is that he comes to seek and save the lost. The guys, all the crowds, they missed the point. They missed the point so bad that within five days, they were willing to kill him. They were so disappointed in their overthinking and the, the things that they placed on what Jesus should be and so heartbroken over that. They, they went from wanting to crown him king to wanting to crucify him in five days, less than that. The disciples went from thinking, hey, man, we're going to be like governors of areas and this is going to be awesome, to renouncing him and running away and saying, no, I never even believed him. Not because they didn't love Jesus, it's because they overthought and they missed the whole point. When we make decisions, when we make career decisions, when we make family decisions, when we make relationship decisions. The point is Jesus. It always has to be. It always has to start there. And his point is that he comes to seek and save the lost, to fix broken people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak this morning. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room. Lord, as we struggle with life choices as we struggle with things uh, out of our control. Let us not dwell and overthink about stuff and about other people's decisions and about other people's poor choices. Let us control what we can control and give to you everything else. God, my prayer this morning is that we would not overthink, that we would just think about you. What would you have us? What do you want from us? That you would make our decision-making simple as we can concentrate on you. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Some of us find our, ourself in a place of such confusion and maybe hurt. And some of us this morning have thought about our past decisions and our past mess ups and gone, oh, I wish I would have done that different. I wish I would have done this different. Lord, right now, would you just lift us of that burden that your yoke is light. That you have come for the weary, you have come for the burdened. And that for all of our past stuff, that you would just lift that off our shoulders. That you would relieve us of that stress and that strain. God, that we would walk new with you today. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen.